Hello everyone. For those that might not recognise my voice, or for those that might, my name is Aaron Diskin and I am part of the Luxport Media um, team and the company and today I'm I'm bringing you something slightly different. Can you believe it? It's an absolutely non-sport related podcast. I know, the shock horror, right? But this podcast means a lot to me actually because I ran a podcast in this name and in this nature three years ago um, while I was at uni and over Christmas I was speaking to my parents and I was like I want to bring it back it was so powerful and so important to speak to people in the disability community I want to bring it back bigger and better but I didn't really know how to go about that that was until I decided to have a chat with the one with the wonderful Ryan from Luxport Media and he was like Aaron, we love this idea. We're going to run with this idea. This is your baby. You do what you want and we'll help you with it. So I'm back now, ready to take it to a new level, to a new audience. And yeah, it feels very strange, but it feels very natural and and it feels nice to be back into the swing of things. And I thought for episode one, what better way to get it kickstarted than speaking to my good friend, Jamie McAllister. So, Jamie, thank you um, for joining me for episode one of The Rebirth, and how do you feel about being here today? No problem at all, Aaron, and um, yeah, it's an absolute honour to be here. It's yeah, pleasure to speak to you. Um, I'm excited, excited to see what, what this new journey for you will take. Yeah, let's go. So, th- from what I used to do with the podcast, uh, so this is sort of a different podcast to disability ones that you might have listened to in terms of I kind of like to just sort of strip it right back and go from the very beginning so with that in mind like what was your sort of earliest memory of like so obviously for those that don't know um Jamie is is fully blind um so yeah what was sort of your earliest memory growing up like being blind and, and like how did it affect your sort of childhood and and what were sort of the early sort of life challenges that you faced and has it sort of helped you grow into the man that you are today really I guess that that would be the good point to start from yeah well I have had sight at one point um I was I used to wear glasses basically like as thick as you can go like literally like slabs of lenses is stuck in your eyes it made your eyes look small or really big I can't remember now um and Basically, hospital for, for a good 10 years or so was my second home from like the age of six up until about 16. Um, constantly traveling to and from hospital, which at the time I was living in Coventry, and the nearest hospital that could deal with my kind of eye issues was Birmingham. So it was 45 minutes there, 45 minutes back, you know, first thing in the morning, waiting hours for appointments. And over that time, I had. I would have been about a dozen operations on both my eyes. Um, and and in that time as well, I lost my right eye. Then it was just clinging onto whatever I had left in my left, which was good enough for me up until I'd say I'd just left secondary school, so around the age of 16, 17. And then eventually the eyesight on my left eye decided to just just, just go um, without warning me. <laughs> um and yeah, it, it's it's a weird one, really. Like I in school, you know, like most people, I was I was fine. I was I misbehaved here and there, but I didn't. I look back now and didn't get the full kind of experience, I think, and yeah. attention that someone like myself needed to really flourish as a young person and really get grades that I wanted to get or that I probably could have got. Um, yes, that's really interesting, and we know we like our deep conversations, and uh, yeah. like I did with your podcast um, that will be coming out soon. We don't, re- we didn't really have a structure, but I think it re- works really well because we kind of just bounce off each other, and that's what I want this podcast to be. But mm-hmm. you mentioned there straight away that maybe if you, if you could have got like the more sort of support uh, in school, you you might have been served better. Is is that something that you look back on and think, wow, maybe there should have been more. SEM provision for me and if so what do you think that would have looked like and how would that help your education journey yeah it's interesting to think about I do think about it a lot really especially when I speak to people who 
have had similar experiences or completely different experiences in school as a as a disabled person. Um, it's it's a hard one. I had support, but it looking back on it now and kind of realizing what I could have had, it definitely wasn't enough. And whether that's because the kind of knowledge on the teacher's behalf just wasn't there or you know sometimes sadly in this day and age it's financial that they just can't afford to to provide certain support um it's an interesting one and i don't get me wrong, I, I did not help myself like i'm not i'm not portraying myself to be this angel who was you know absolutely perfect and it was all because of the education system that i failed i was not the most well behaved but whether that's because i just couldn't connect with education and therefore you know was um misbehaved and and then you know you get labeled as a as a a problem problem student and from then on it becomes just generally difficult to like reconnect i suppose so it is an interesting one and i i i don't know how it would it would look you know like it's i wouldn't i wouldn't change it like i definitely wouldn't change it because where i am now i'm i'm happy um after the education that I have, I've got, I've got since and what kind of my career's shaping up to be, I'm happy. Um, but yeah, it's, it is an interesting one to think if, if, if support was there, would I, you know, would I have gone to college and or one on six form got A levels and gone to university and had a completely different perspective and my whole life would have been completely different um so yeah think, it's it's one that i couldn't really give a, a direct answer to i think it's really interesting that though because like obviously not to compare but your education journey se- seems a little bit different to mine so my education journey especially like like early high school days i was always the sort of i was never a teacher's pet but i, I never ever got in trouble i kind of kept myself to myself and you know i was quite I think my parents would probably tell you that maybe up until maybe 15, 16, I was quite sheltered, you know, and that I don't, I don't hold anything against my parents for that. Like, they're amazing. And I think at the end of the day, they were just looking after me. But then I think mm. from like from like 16, it then kind of forced me to um, like get out of my comfort zone and, you know, start making friends. And I think that's why I'm who I am now. And that's why I'm so confident with like things like this. And I've got such a like, loud sort of personality because yeah. because maybe I got I got sheltered away a little bit in my school years I didn't experience that so like, I've had to build myself and build my personality up quite late in life and I just think it's really interesting to see the sort of pr- the two ends of the spectrum between your experience and my experience yeah that's it and it, it, it we are both I'm, I'm sure for yourself and I am definitely we are completely different people to what we were when we you know we're in school and when we left school and school does don't get wrong it shapes you it shapes it you know it gives you knowledge it, you meet people you learn certain things but the years that i think and have shaped me i don't know about you but have shaped me the most are the years kind of preceding school when you yeah. kind of mm-hmm. I've, I've kind of left especially a disabled person you're left to just fend for yourself so to speak and, and learn things for yourself instead of it being given to you or it being you know presented to you in a, on you know in a certain way yeah definitely I, I find that really interesting actually and we'll, we'll touch upon it in a second but one thing that like that resonates with that what you just said for me is I'm a big believer in anything that I've achieved or go on to achieve whether it be in my career or my personal life I always think we sort of maybe subconsciously have to work twice as hard as like you know, mm-hmm. if, if we're going up for a job, we might have to subconsciously work twice as hard as an able-bodied person because, like, I, we talked about this at length on your podcast, so I don't want to kind of cover the same tracks, but it's like disability in society is getting so much more prevalent and so much more, like, time and, and people are aware of it. But then also in things like companies and stuff, sometimes you have to, like, you can scream at every opportunity you can to get noticed and I think that's what really impresses me with you like you are one of the most sort of like up there and ready kind of characters I've ever met you know you don't let any sort of obstacles get in your way and it's probably why you've you know had such success in in your sort of early early career years and that but what I want to touch upon is has that sort of confidence always been there or is it something that you've had to sort of 
manage and sort of train yourself to have like did you ever suffer from like um like confidence issues through your condition growing up and if so how did you like, overcome that to become the man you are today um it's an interesting one really I'd say I had confidence but it was a certain type of confidence especially going through school you know it's that cocky you know clown of the class kind of person that just wanted to mess about you know, it was always joking around and shouty. But take me out of school and put me in, a, you know, a, just an everyday environment and I'd probably restrict myself quite a bit um, and I wouldn't probably wouldn't come across as confident. I'd be more shy, whether that's... I think that's a lot down to, you know, being visually impaired and, and just not really knowing or expecting how to communicate with the, you know, your everyday person. Just because I'm, 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 back then also, I never really, I didn't, I don't know what the right word would be, but I never really took on my disability. Like, it was very much, my name's Jamie, I'm this, this and this, and at the end of the paragraph, oh, I'm, I'm visually impaired. It was never a thing that was, you know, at the forefront of my, of my personality or of, of me. So, my confidence was never an issue, so to speak, but in terms of having just better and more positive confidence, I suppose you could call it, that has something that has came to me since then, since years of school and, and definitely becoming a more um, more common and, and more um, present on social media and, and stuff like that. It's just gave me more confidence not too much um <laughs> i hope not um there's, ne- there's never too much uh there's never nothing wrong with too much confidence just make sure it doesn't ever border to arrogance but i don't ever, yeah that's the thing isn't I, it? Yeah. I don't ever i don't ever look at you jamie and think you know what he's a bit he's a bit arrogant that has never once crossed my <laughs> mind um so i think it is really interesting though that about about you know not wanting to like have the label of visually impaired on you and that's something that I've always strived for so obviously I've got cerebral palsy hence mm-hmm. the, of the podcast um and <laughs> that's so, all like, I'm very much the same I want somebody to see me for you know me and for my talents and for me as a journalist before I go oh yeah so I'm a journalist but I'm also I could be branded as a disabled journalist you know what I mean or a journalist with cerebral palsy because at yeah. the end of the day without again borderlining confidence and arrogance but I think I'm like well in my rights and, and talented enough as a journalist to be in this space anyway, without having to like label myself as disabled all the time, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's interesting to when you think about it that way, isn't it? I think for me it's slightly different in that obviously for yourself, you you know, your main thing is talking about football, like what happens on the pitch. Um, you know, for your club and for, for other clubs and what have you. But Whereas for me, it's kind of the stuff I do is because of my disability. Yeah. And if I if you took my disability away and I was just your able bodied person, I I genuinely could not tell you what I would be doing. Like it it I I just don't know. Like it's a weird one. I obviously wouldn't be doing this work because it wouldn't occur to me and it yeah. you know, I wouldn't have be passionate enough to take it up as a, a full time thing. So it's interesting because I, I I refer to myself as a you know, disability slash accessibility advocate consultant whatever you wanna you wanna label it because of my disability like and and I just I'm passionate about that because it affects me but I also see everyone else that it affects so yeah it's it is a it's an interesting one and everyone has different opinions on it really. So it's it's a really interesting one for me because I would also say I'm becoming. Uh, like a growing presence really in sort of the disability like social media community and you know the things I'm trying to do at the football club but if I'm being honest I never really went into all these ventures thinking oh yeah I'm going to be some sort of some sort of disability advocate it was more sort of so uh, I'll talk about it on probably more episodes as well but for me the biggest thing was obviously setting up the you know the disability supporters association at Latics yeah. That that was a mad like a mad thing to me, and it all kind of happened very quickly. But I didn't really. That only happened because people were coming to me because I was 
like a loud voice on social media just for supporting Latics in general. And mm. they were like, oh, he, he he's getting, you know, a decent bit of like following or a decent bit of backing on his social media. Maybe he can go to the club and help us out. But then slowly then it became sort of, for me, it became like I knew that I was sort of, and again, you don't want to say like, an important figure because you don't want to sound like a fat, but I knew no. I knew I was kind of someone that maybe within my club, especially now, I'm I'm someone that maybe a lot of the fan base, even even able bodied fans now come to me and ask me for things in the ground, you know, to improve things in the ground. But especially among, amongst the disabled section of our fan base and probably like the wider AFL, I'm probably like a a figure that people know that they can come to and, you know, I might not have the answers or I might not have all the contacts, but I think it's always been in my nature to help other people. So even though I never really wanted to fall into this role, I'm very comfortable and very proud and honoured to be in that sort of space that we were talking about, you know, disabled consultancy and influence. I'm very yeah. sort of proud to sort of be in that space and it's something that I'm looking to build on. And that's why, that's kind of really why I brought this podcast back because I think the more sort of open and honest and frank conversations we can have about disability, the better, you know, because it'll make Mm -hmm. people feel more comfortable and at ease because I think, I think we do talk about disability a lot, but I think we could talk a lot more. And I see a lot of disabled people. And again, I won't name any names, but I see a lot of disabled people like disabled influencers or whatever. They only ever document the good times. And I get it because the good times get your likes but with this podcast, I'm going to go, I'm going to talk about everything, you know, I'm going to talk about the times when, you know, sometimes I've woken up and I've been like, you know, what, I can't, I can't face today. Or, you know, what, why am I, like, why am I in a wheelchair? What, why did God do this to me? I, I don't think, I don't think people talk about like the struggling side of it enough. And, and like, that's what I'm hoping to do. So like, mm. it's, just, it's just about raising awareness and being a figure that, you know, look, if, if 500 people listen to this episode and think, you know what, Aaron, Aaron's doing good stuff for the disabled community, then I'm happy. I just want to be a figure for some for the disabled community that they can look at and think, you know what, he's doing great things and he's somebody we can trust. Yeah, and it's I think the thing you have to think about is the reason people come to people like yourself and people come to me and, and other you know, figures within disability communities because we have a unique point of view. We see things differently to your able-bodied person, you know, depending on what disability you have, you experience things differently. And you may, when someone asks you a question, you may bring a different view in and that person then may look at the whole kind of situation or whatever it is in a whole different way because, you know, you've brought your view to the table and that just changes things and, that is the case and those unique point of views although there's 16 million of us so 16 million disabled people in the uk that's 24 percent of this entire population not a lot of people are you know exposed to us so to speak yeah and when they do come into contact with people like me and yourself especially at things like a football game it's it's uh it's a it's an interesting kind of interaction because it's it might be their first time interacting with a disabled person or it might be the first time seeing a disabled person at a football game or whatever the event is and that's that is a whole new thing to get their head round and you know some people are narrow-minded and think oh bless you you've got out of bed this morning you look, look at you out and about like whereas you know it's changing that and making people think we are a you know a force for change and we can drive things to a certain level yeah well that's really interesting for me so when i started at um uh the disability sports associated in athletics one of the big things for me was they were going to build they were going to build a new um uh, disabled you know platform for viewing in and around the family stand athletics and i was Obviously, I was happy for their input, but I was kind of sort of like a a big advocate for against that move, really, because like <laughs> I I won't lie to you, Jamie. I'm very passionate for my boys, you know. Like, I am a very passionate Alden fan, and I, and sometimes at the football, you know, I, I get involved in the ex expletive chants, you know. I, I'm I'm an adult. I, I like to voice my opinions, and and sometimes I think at football matches, I don't know whether you feel the same. Obviously, at Cubs, but. 
you find disabled sections near the family stand or in the family stand or or away from your away supporters if you're on away day and you just feel so secluded and it's not the same experience is it because like I just want to watch the football like my dad watches the football you know join him mm. with a few chants have a couple of beers you know what I mean like I don't want to be like miles away from my own supporters so I'm hearing them singing but it takes five minutes for the sound to travel to where I am do you know what I mean it's, it's yeah. like so then from there, I then went to Latics and I was like, can we not just corner off the back row of like the stand I'm in now? And because one of our, one of the main issues that we were having when we first set up the, the group was um, obviously be, since the takeover, Oldham, Oldham's uh, average attendance has climbed. We now get about seven and a half, maybe 8,000 fans a week at Boundary Park. So mm. people were standing up to see a lot. And yeah. if your chair doesn't have all the sort of transformer gadgets on it, like mine luckily does, you're going to struggle if you're in a manual wheelchair to see, you know, over over thousands of people's of heads to see, you know, the football. So I spoke to Frank and I spoke to Darren and said, instead of building sort of a new platform, even though we appreciate it, in like a secluded area, why can't we just corner off the back row of seats? And then, you know, that'll give us, give us like an extra sort of bit of, uh, viewing space and in the end that's what they kind of did and and that was a big thing for me because it kind of it let me sort of hold my ground on wanting to be that sort of normal quite loud quite passionate like football fan without having to get that taken away from me if I was going to go and sit in the family stand do you know what I mean yeah and, and this is the thing with disabled um people and like we obviously everyone's different in what they want if you're talking football wise then every disabled person is different from what they want from that football game absolutely you know, someone like yourself you obviously you want very much like me you want to be amongst the loud you know the loud lot where they're singing there's there's chanting and there's, there's all the all the good stuff going on all the all the atmospheric stuff but obviously the, the best thing to do for in, in that in that scenario for a disabled person is give them choice and yes choice whether that's sitting in a family in a family stand family zone or sitting in the singers corner or whatever you want to call it that that should be there and just like any other able-bodied person if they if they just want to sit down and watch the football they can go and sit in the more quiet stance if they want to go and stand with their friends and and other family members and and sing and and whatever then they can go and sit in whatever stand that is and giving disabled people that choice this and this goes across just general society in general. That is probably the most important thing to do, because um, you know we are just we we're there for the same reason. We're there because we support, uh, our, you know, our football club, and we want to try and support them in the best way we can possibly do. Yeah, I from recording your podcast of the, the other day. I remember you saying that. You were sort of like looking, you know, to get a DSA set up for um, Coventry City. Were so, how did you sort of garner interest for that? And where, where did you, you sort of realize that there were sort of like problems for uh, the disabled section of Co- Coventry's fan base that might need addressing? And how are you sort of aiming to to do that? And how sort of how far along on your timeline for your DSA are you? Right. So yeah, as is, I I remember I tweeted what well, would have been summer of 2022 around about um i tweeted saying you know i'd, I'd, I'd love to get a, a disabled sports association up and going with our club because i'm sure you know and and probably many people listening to this coventry city my club have been through you know a, a not so stable period over the past 10 to 15 years probably yeah, about 15 years with with our previous owners, Caesar and uh, three seasons worth of ground shares, one of them being the COVID season. Um, so any sort of stability and you know comfort hasn't been able to be there for Coventry fans, um, especially for disabled fans. I was the season to go when we played at St Andrews for the season that then got curtailed due to COVID, and it's it's always been in my mind that. You know, now is the perfect now over the past twelve months and the upcoming twelve months and, and beyond is the perfect time. You know, we're we're advancing on the pitch pretty quickly. Um, 
you know, we're, we got as far as the playoff final last season and we're looking like we could maybe challenge for the playoffs again this season. Attendances, we've, we've set a new record of over 18,000 season tickets sold for the season. Attendances are averaging around, I think, 24 to 25,000 um, with away fans. And now because of that, you're going to obviously get the kind of disabled fans that are maybe wanting to get back into the club, whether they supported the club years ago before it kind of went Pete Tong or they are brand new to supporting Cov because, you know, it was never really a viable option, especially for a disabled person. Um, and I just thought that there's a space there and it, it definitely needs to be filled. The other clubs are doing it and it is, well, I think there's about 60 disabled support associations across England and Wales. Um, and we were just in a perfect kind of position to to start really. And, and luckily the interest was there that that post that I put on Twitter had a, a good response. And since then we've had a, um, a disability access officer put in place at the club, which from my experience, I don't think we've ever had, which is obviously key to starting a DSA. And now we are at the beginning of 2024 and it's, uh, it's been, the DSA has been built, so to speak, um there's a there's a there's a chair there's a co-chair secretary there's a board and there's a social media person i won't give away who the social media person is <laughs> um and it's it's just the kind of foundations i suppose you could call them that are in place at the moment and hopefully by the beginning of next season there'll be a, a fully fledged um coventry city disabled support association which hopefully we'll be able to work with the club and the fans to just make the club and the games just that bit better. Um, obviously, we've already got a sensory room for, for neurodivergent fans and um, there's a couple of ideas that I have and a couple of ideas that other people have got apart the the DSA so far, which we want to try and put into motion. And yeah, it, it's exciting. It's, re- it's really exciting to be a part of something like this. I think... It's it's really important that like you know I mean we've seen it obviously with with uh, the women's game and stuff over the last couple of years and and especially over the last couple of months with some you know like really I don't know how to say it like ludicrous shall we shall we say, call it ludicrous um, people airing ludicrous opinions if we're being honest about you know <laughs> yeah. who, about whose game this is and and stuff and I think it's it's well adv- the sport of football is advancing and you know it's it's becoming every like everyone's game as such and like it's just it's nice to feel that we can make a difference within our football clubs but i think you you touched upon it and i certainly touched upon it and it's interesting because i don't think number one i don't think we'd have a disability supporters association at the football club if it wasn't for frank and maybe you feel like it wouldn't have happened at Cobb if it wasn't for, you know, you sorting out your ownership issues and, and whatever. And I think that's, that's like, the big thing for me, isn't it? You always need somebody to... It's all well good having, like, massive ideas. Like, it was like me when I wanted to relaunch this podcast. I had all these ideas in my head, but at the end of the day, you need somebody. Luckily, my somebody is Ryan in this, in this sort of scenario, but you need somebody to buy into that idea and exactly, put the yeah. full sort of confidence and like faith in the idea for it to get off the ground. So yeah, I think it's important that like when we're building things like DSAs that the, the club have to like buy into it as well. And like speaking from my experience with Frank and Darren Royal and things like that, they've been nothing but grand with us. And is that the sort of same sort of situation that you found yourself in at Cov? It is, yeah. It's very much so with with Jody Jones uh um our Diallo, the disability liaison officer, she's been kind of the the middle person, so to speak, um, between us and the club and getting a green light that yeah, this is this is good to to work with. And you've also got to mention, I don't know if you've had any um run-ins with them yourself, but charities such as Level Playing Field who yeah. um do a huge amount of work um across football and and um just in sports in general to make it and a more inclusive game and they obviously have all the right um, documentation and have experience of setting up all these DSAs across the country which 
makes things that bit easier for us because we have stuff to work off. We can go to them if we have any questions. Um, so yeah, it, it, you do need that one person or a couple of people to take your idea and think, yeah, this is this is what we need. This is positive and there is nothing, literally nothing negative about it. And the quicker we get it up and running, the quick, uh, the better it will be for not only the people a part of the Disabled Support Association, but just a general wider fan base. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I, like I said, I think you are one of the hardest working people I know and I can't wait to see what the sort of, DSA at Coventry can can build into and hopefully if anyone's listening that might be a Coventry fan we never know you know and, and you've got a disability then Jamie's your man uh, we'll drop all <laughs> of your socials and it, I don't know whether the DSA has got any socials but we can, we'll plug not anything. just yet but yeah we'll plug anything we can do on this podcast and like I say football is for everyone and and sort of it's really important and really impressive to to hear about the work you're doing mate so keep it up but thank you mate I just wanted to move the conversations on slightly now. To, so we were talking about kind of maybe becoming, and again, I I, I get like red face when I talk about myself in like, as in like a, in, in a pot, in a important capacity, because I just think I'm me. And if people like what I do and appreciate what I do, then I'm happy, but I'm not, you know, when people come up to you and go, oh, you're doing great things for the disabled community. I don't know about you, but I don't know how to handle it. I'm like, Thank you, but you're making me shy. That's how I feel about it. But <laughs> yeah, like, I get what you um, mean. F- for me, I want to just find out. Like, so obviously you have your own podcast, which is wonderful, which we recorded for uh, last week, and I believe my episode will be coming out on the twenty sixth. And yep, it's a wonderful correct. podcast. It's all it's all about you know disability representation and speaking to different people in the disability community and letting them tell the stories. But when did you realise that you might have had like an appetite or like a, a creative vision for a podcast? And how did you sort of come about creating that? And like, I guess, sort of with it being a new year and we're in the first sort of new year, where do you sort of see the sort of growth and, and sort of like path of your podcast going? And, and like, how much of an important tool is it for you in your brand as, as Jamie McAllister now? Um, yeah, it's it's a big thing, really. It's when I started the podcast, it it just wasn't anything like you know it was a like most people. You start the podcast in the year of twenty twenty, you know, the year of the pandemic, and think ah, I'll, I'll do a podcast and see where I end up because you know I've got nothing better to do. Um, and it became disability focused a few months in, and and now we're here where I. I've got more time on my hands. I've, I've finished. Um, I finished college, so I've got a lot more hours in a day to really put my my effort into it and and search and and find guests that I want to speak to and I feel like my listeners would want to hear from. And I'm thankful that kind of my career over the past twelve months or so has kind of gone up. I suppose in terms of the contacts I have, my social media following. And because of that, and because of the people that I've had on the podcast in the past, I'm able to kind of build on, on my podcast and, and use that energy. Um, so yeah, for, for, for the future for me and, and the podcast, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I've got quite a few people planned. Um, I've, I've pretty much got guests booked in now throughout this month and throughout next month, which will time me up until probably the beginning of April. Um, and there's some like really exciting people that I've got planned that probably two years ago I wouldn't have imagined that I probably could have have um have got to agree to come on my podcast. So it's it's a big thing, and yeah, it's you know my my brand that I've stuck with is that blind ad, and it's that blind ad's podcast, and I feel like I've got something. I have I have something quite literally something if you know what I mean that is mine. I've built it. People know, you know, my followers know. If you say that blind lad, Jamie comes to mind. I, I hope. <laughs> um, and yeah, I'm, I'm proud of what I've, what I've built, and that people, people listen to it. You know, my numbers. I'm happy with my numbers, and the people that say it tell me, like, like yourself, that, that it's a, it's a good podcast and it's a good listen. That just gives me motivation to just carry on and just see how far I can, I can really take it. It's it's really interesting for me because obviously 
like with, with this setting up and and yours and others I listen to, we're all probably, I mean, we're all probably going to be in the same sort of chart categories, you know, on Spotify and on Apple. We'll all be under disability and inclusion or whatever the category is. But for me, there's ne- there's no sort of like competition. I think the more sort of positive voices and and positive stories we can have from the dis- disability community touching on different or similar aspects but from a different point of view that's only a positive right and and like yeah um obviously like i've got different experiences to you but you've also got different experiences to to me and and that's what it's all about isn't it just like just like spreading the word and shouting the word like from the rooftops i mean like yes we might have disabilities yes we might have impairments yes we might have conditions but you know what we are some like badass people that are doing yeah. some really really important things and and we're here to showcase that and like i said i i've been listening to your podcast for a long time even even when this was was in the workshop and and like on retirement um but yeah so yeah i think what you're doing is great and like i said we will tag all your um podcast social media and all of your links and and people definitely need to get on it and and stuff like that but it's really interesting me you were talking about obviously the sort of last 12 months for you sort of being sort of like the big rise in your career and I I said on your podcast I said similar and I think for both of us it sort of um culminated in November didn't it at the football content awards now for me I'll be honest we'll touch upon your experiences with it at the minute because cough cough People that might not know, Jamie did. Jamie did beat me to that award. Um, not not bitter at all. Not bitter at all. <laughs> um, no, but in all seriousness, when when I first got even the nomination or uh, email, I was like, this has to be a joke because I was literally like sixteen months into my career. I've you know I've not quite reached two thousand followers on Twitter. I was like, this, I looked at some of them names and I was like almost sort of imposter syndrome, you know what I mean? You're like, what? Yeah, yeah. I walked into Anfield in my suit and I was like, I was sweating because I'm like, I'm sure somebody's going to come up to me tonight and be like, oh, by the way, we made a mistake. You're not supposed to be here. And <laughs> if, if that if that would have happened to be fair, Jamie, I would have been like, you know what? Thanks for, the, thanks for letting me walk into the building anyway, but I understand. Yeah. And that's something kind of I've struggled with a lot, a little bit, I guess, like the sort of feeling of, Maybe it's only really sort of in the last sort of two years I've actually realised that you know what I do give a lot to the disabled community and I do belong here. But obviously your experience of of building your brand and building your podcast, but then going on to Anfield and winning the whole thing, that must have been like that's got to have been like a really sort of important milestone in in your career and something that you look back on with immense uh, pride, right? Oh, hundred percent. It's it's definitely as far as I go as far as saying that that is the highlight of my of my career to date. Um, it's I, I was the exact same as you. I you know you went. I was like, I ah, see it's cocktail. It's the award ceremony. It's Anfield. You know, go. I've never never wore a suit in my life. I had to mm-hmm. like hunt for a suit, and for someone someone like me, that's more difficult than I thought. And you know, you you're all dressed up and all fancy, and I took my fiance. Who, I had to do the same and she looked absolutely absolutely stunning at the awards and and you kind of then you know the people that are there like there's there's people that I watch on YouTube or listen to yeah. on as on podcasts and you're like okay I'm so as far as I'm concerned I'm here as just a as just a, a body that's <laughs> that's all that and it didn't feel real and it yeah it was a it was a pretty cool experience and a very nice point match by the way um and <laughs> <laughs> and yeah when when i found out it, it was it was myself who won the award that that kind of it was it was a shock it was a shock because I, I was looking at the people in the category that we were in thinking you know it's like you said i'm i'm glad to be here i'm, I'm i've got this farm in the, the i think it was 10 people on the, on our in our category and i was looking at these people i'm looking at the followings like yourself and I was like, you know, it's, I'm just here. That's this. I'm not really gonna. This ain't gonna go anywhere, is it? And uh, yeah, it was. It was surprising. It was really surprising, but obviously in a good way. And I think it still hasn't really sunk in yet. Like 
my fiance tells me and my family tell me, you know, you the what you do is amazing. Like, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just kind of just shrug it off and I'm yet to kind of step back and think, Yeah, you've you've done a you've done a good job and the hard work has paid off and I I do feel it has to a degree validated me and the work that I have done because I because I, I enjoy it and I I just do it because it involves myself and there's really people on their social media it, it doesn't feel like I'm doing you know quote-unquote work it's just Yeah. me doing it because it improves not only the people I'm speaking to but it improves my experience and other people's experiences and that's it It's, it's really interesting though, like, because you sound very similar to me. Like I I, I mentioned it before, but I I almost get I, I appreciate it to, to the biggest degree, but I almost get a little bit uncomfortable when people come up to me and go, Oh, Aaron, I follow you and you're such an inspiration for doing what you do or or you know what I mean like they come up to you and go oh Aaron keep up the great work it's really making a difference because I'm like I'm like I'm not doing it for the sort of the praise you know what I mean I'm not doing it for the recognition I'm doing it because I know I've got a voice that can affect people in a positive way and I think that's a really sort of like interesting view but also I think maybe sort of similar to me <coughs> something I've struggled with is sort of taking a step back and sort of allowing yourself to take that credit as well, you know, because at the end of the day, to have an award for disability inclusion at such a massive prestigious award ceremony like that shows how much good work there is being done in the disability community. But then to go and win it is something that you should be really proud of. And you know what? I know you say you should get off because I do the same, but, you know, you should you should look back at that and think, you know what, I deserve that. And, and, like, give yourself the credit because them type of things don't happen all the time, you know? No, no, that is that is a thing in it, and it's it is a one that it it, it sinks in eventually, um, and you think. Oh yeah, like you said, it's a, a quite a prestigious, a prestigious, if I can speak English, um, kind of you know award ceremony and to be in receipt of the first award in in as, as part of the, those that particular ceremony, it's it's special, um, and yeah, it, it's it's I, I don't really, you know what I, I don't know how to I don't know how to put it into words. That's <laughs> that's that's what it's like. It's it's a it's a weird feeling, but a very a feeling that's very much welcome. Um, And I'm, I've I've been able to meet people like yourself off the back of it, and I work with people like yourself and other people, and it's, yeah, it's it's special. Yeah, amazing. And, and listen, hopefully we'll we'll both continue to be figures at the awards going forward. And and who knows, this you know that you could you could turn into the, the bloody Lionel Messi of the Ballon d'Or for the disability inclusion at the FCA. That is my You plan, know, mate. That is my plan. <laughs> um, um, we could be like Messi and Ronaldo. You never know. That this could be our legacy, Jamie. Um, but. Yeah, so for me, just to kind of wrap the sort of podcast episode a little bit, I'm, I have, I've decided I have three questions that I'm gonna ask every guest I get on this podcast, Right. and the first one, they're all quite deep questions, so take your time, think about your answer if you need to. But what does the word disability mean to Jamie McAllister? That is the first one. Oh, you say deep. Um, it's, God, you've this. I've, you know what? No one's ever asked me this question. Um, like, I know I, I know all over my social media, it's passed the word blind, and you know, I'm that blind lad, and this, this, and this blind. But it's yeah, oh, Jesus, you, you've stumped me. It just means. I think to me, it means it means kind of. a unique view, a unique opinion, just like we were speaking about earlier. And I've got something that no one else has, quite literally no one else. You know, there's other people that are blind, but no one has what I have in terms of what level of, well, what level of vision or my experiences or my opinions on certain things. And, you know, disability isn't, it's not a dirty word as much as people try and make it out to be and, and refuse to say the word in some, in some scenarios. But just disability, it's... it's It's me. It's it is Jamie McAllister. I think that's I just you know I'm, I just happen to be disabled. I don't I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I'm just 
yeah, you've 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 stumped me there, Aaron. You've stumped me. I, I don't know. I, I'll give you that answer. I don't know. <laughs> well, I like to leave people speechless. So, um, <laughs> yeah, no, but you know what? That that's a great answer, and I think that the the sort of tagline I take from that answer is disability is me. I am Jamie McAllister, and I think that is that is important because sometimes I think people that may be around people with disabilities, they they almost think, you know, like, oh, my friend's got X, Y, and Z disability, or my family's what members got X, Y, and Z disability. How how, how is his life gonna be? Or or you know, oh, I feel I feel sorry for X, Y, and Z. But at the end of the day, like you take the the first three letters out of disability and you've got ability, you know, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and like, and and I think that's what people need to remember, like disabled people yes we have setbacks yes we have different ways of doing things but it doesn't mean that like we can't do things to a high degree and I think that's what people like me and you are showing so yeah I really like the answer so question number two then where do you see yourself and where do you see the disabled space in the next sort of five years well that's an, that's an interesting one um I mean, and when I say when I say disabled space, I mean like the sort of the social media disabled space, like the, yeah. the space that we're kind of both working in. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of myself, I'd like to be in full time employment. I'm kind of gravitating towards this whole accessibility in sport and football specifically. Um, that I'm kind of discovering is my real passion although I went through college and I did business and absolutely loved it and and kind of had an idea of teaching I'd, I'd, I would love to just be a part of that accessibility and 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 sport um and obviously all the general personal stuff of um I'll be getting married later this year you know I'd like to think we're we've been living together in our own house me and my fiance um in five years time and in terms of social media um, I just like to still have a kind of a following, just like I have now. Just I, I wouldn't care if it's the same size now, um, or or if it's bigger. I just like to be able to post something online and people to be able to read it and and learn something from it or you know feel something from from it. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd be more than happy just being where I am now and just being able knowing the people that I know now, maybe maybe even more and. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that's that's it, really. Yeah, I think for me, like, if I ask myself that question, for me, it's just, it's all about building, you know, building blocks. So we we've got we've got platforms now, we've got podcasts, but then maybe in five to ten years, it would be nice to have these podcasts, but also to be, I don't know, like like I said before, I I think. Maybe sometimes in society, I think disabled people have a bit more work to do before I can be known as like Aaron Diskin, the sports journalist. Or because at first people think of me as Aaron Diskin, the disability journalist, or Aaron Diskin, the disability advocate. You know, so so like it it'd be nice maybe sort of five years for disabled disability to be such an open topic and people having discussions so so often that like we don't have to sort of address it. Do you know what I mean? That's yeah. that's my biggest aim, I guess. Um, yeah, I completely but, get that. Yeah, so that that's what I would probably go with that question. Um, and then question number three. So you, you talked about your time in school and the fact that you were a little bit of a cheeky chap like we all were and stuff. But if you could go back to maybe that time period and give, give um, your younger self one piece of advice that you know now from your life experiences about your disability and condition, how to deal with it and how to deal with the obstacles and challenges coming your way in the future, what would that be? Ooh, that is a good one. Um, I would say, for starters, listen. Um, listen to what everyone says. Doesn't mean to say yes to everyone. Um, just take what people say, especially if they have a certain, you know, they're a certain certain job or they've got a certain um value to their name take what they they have to say and just don't be afraid really like just just 
just go for it because that's what I eventually did. It took me two, three years after leaving school, but if if I did it quicker, maybe things would have worked out differently and I would have been in a different position. Um, not that I'd change it, but yeah, just just go for it and, and things will come your way if you put in a hard work. And yeah, I think that's that's the best I could say to myself, really. I think that's that's really important and that's probably the perfect way to end it in, in terms of like everyone's journey is different. You know, everyone's journey takes different times. And I think people forget that sometimes. People think, oh, I've got to be in X position in, X, in my job by, you know, X age or I've got to have X amount of money in my bank account by X age. And mm. at the end of the day, if, if you peel it all back, you're not in life for anyone else yourself you know you yeah, dictate exactly. your own life you go at your own pace and I think that's really important and that's something I'm gonna take with me as a piece of advice from you to me <laughs> in mm-hmm. certain in certain things I do and like I really appreciate that so yeah I think that's a perfect um place to end it unless you've got anything else that you want to like touch upon or or any any other little bits that you want to like talk about quickly if not then, then uh, yeah. yeah no I think we've we've covered a a good few topics I'm, I'm happy with that amazing amazing so like i said i will um if, if you want to follow in fact jamie go on you can take this bit so if people uh have listened to this podcast and you, you they've gone you know what that lad speaks a lot of sense like i think um <laughs> where else can i find him where else can i find his content where's best for the listeners of this podcast to find more jamie McAllister? So you can, I'm, I'm very much a one platform person. Um, I am at that blind lad on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it these days. And if you want to find my podcast, that is at TBL Media UK on Twitter. And then that's available on all the good platforms, uh, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and a few of the, a few of the smaller platforms. And I'm on Instagram with this, the same same handle, but I, I don't really post on there that much, so you might get bored quickly. But yeah, Twitter's Twitter's the place to go. Amazing, amazing, and like I said, thank you so much for being um, episode number one in in the reboot. Thank you. And I hope um, everyone has took some really sort of important um, like advice away from that podcast, and just because I think for me the the sort of aim with this podcast is just showcasing the amount of wonderful people we've got in the disabled community and you know showcasing that we can break down any barriers we can break down any stigmas and I think you are the sort of perfect example for that so yeah thank you so much for coming on Jamie and um yeah thank you Sharon thank you for having me it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you and it's been an honor to be the uh as part of episode number one amazing so with that being said that does bring a and at the end to number one of the cpme podcast in partnership with Luxport media um and yeah that that was very nostalgic but but also it fills me with a lot of excitement for what's to come and what's to come um in terms of interviews and stuff i've got some really really interesting interviews lined up for you guys and i can't wait for you to listen to what i've, I've come up with um so but as far as the first episode goes i hope you've enjoyed listening and until next time, I've been Aaron and I've been the host of CPME and we'll see you on the other side. <laughs>